Voyage. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Voyage Media. We are here today to celebrate the release and the writing of Atsi, The Iceman Must Die, and the launch of Voyage Media's sensational podcast division. Today with me, we are going to hear from Nat Mundell, the CEO and founder of Voyage Media, Dan Benamore, the podcast producer, Bill Copeland, who has the original story writing and the book that this was founded on, and producer Robert Mitas. I'm going to get through questions with everybody and firm intros to everybody. And please feel free to ask any questions in the chat. Nat, you are the CEO and the founder of Voyage Media. And truly the reason we are all here united as listeners of this podcast and storytellers. So Nat, I know, first of all, um, you are the CEO and founder of Voyage Media. Let's start with just how did you start with the inception, the first idea for Voyage that got us here today? Well, first of all, thanks for, for having me. And um, I guess I would say, you know, out of my own personal hardship of breaking stories into the industry early on when I didn't know anything, um, and then, it, you know, taking seven-ish, eight-ish years of figuring it out, um, I realized that, you know, that's true for most everybody and, and that that doesn't seem like a great circumstance. And it seems like it's an opportunity to try to fix that circumstance. And so, you know, at Voyage, it's pretty simple. We believe great stories come from anywhere yeah. and everyone deserves a fair shot. Um, and that when we connect people uh, and storytellers with world-class producers and professionals, and then also provide them with legitimate market information, this sort of closely guarded information, um, that they can achieve otherworldly results with their stories and actually develop high, highly um, marketable film and television projects. And then you know, with our, with our podcast division, it's, it's gone next level. Um, uh, we have realized that we now have the ability to, to connect our community of storytellers and producers directly with audiences and, um, and, and in a whole new way that both vets projects um, that we're bringing to market as film and television shows um, proves out the audience, we learn from those markets, and we build relationships with audiences. So the future of Voyage now is 
connecting storytellers with audiences to create film, television, podcast, uh, book, and video game and music content. That's our new sort of more global media vision. Um, but yeah, it all started from this one idea that great stories come from anywhere. I think it's true. I really do. So hats off to you. I know that you've been a fan of historical storytelling for a long time. And why did this particular story about Otzi the Iceman resonate with you? What was it in this one that you said, yes, flagship, let's do it, go? Well, it's a while ago, actually. Um, you know, Bill Copeland, who's in the room here, uh, and I met, I, I guess, probably four or five years ago, Bill, and and we he, he pitched us a, a very different story that we had some question marks around. Um, but then he said, you know, I have this other thing I've been writing. And when he told me the story of Utzi and how he was approaching his research and all that stuff, it just it hit my gut with an instant yes. And, and I think Bill could probably attest to that experience. And that's when we started almost immediately drilling down and with Dan at that time too, um, on the movie version and writing a script. Um, and, um, and then later, you know, fast forward, we're in market with the script and we're endeavoring to get it financed and made. And like any movie we're having you know, sort of stumbling blocks and uh, false starts and challenges in that very complex market. Um, and then this new audio drama space emerged in our company. And, 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 and I remembered, I said, oh, that's a great way to tell this historical action drama. I mean, it's, it, you know, I'm a big fan of the movie The Revenant. And I love sort of like you know, the revenge thriller and, you know, sort of the emotions that are in that Dan created when he originally imagined this, this villainous character. And so it just, it, it just really added up. And, and we think the podcast audience is a great audience for, for a story, uh, you know, a what if story about Utsi. And yeah, it just was it. But I, I mean, honestly, it was a gut instinct right from the start. I don't think there's anything better than a gut instinct and uh, really in all storytelling and all of life. I'm gonna move into Bill Copeland for the next question. Bill is the author of Relic, the Copper Axe, which was the original story of Otzi the Iceman. Bill, what was your expectation knowing the book would be turned into a podcast and how did the show fit or diverge from your original expectations of how you were gonna tell this story? I wanted, uh, I wanted people to get a sense of uh, what it was like to live then. I spent a lot of time uh, growing up. Uh, I ran around the hills, spent a lot of time outside, and I imagined myself living thousands of years ago. What would life be like that? And I wanted to share that. And also, I loved nature. I wanted to share uh, what I knew of nature and what it might have been in those days. I really liked the uh, script that uh, Dan and his cohort, I forget her name now, uh, came up with and uh, it just developed uh, into such an interesting story. Uh, that's the original script that uh, Nat and Nat's group came up with. I liked it a lot, but uh, of course it's very complicated and expensive to get a, a movie script going. I wanted to, uh, I, I was very happy to support it however I could. And when Dan came up with this opportunity to create what I'm thinking of as an old fashioned radio drama, 
I, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to have lived when there was no television and we listened to, you know, Superman and the shadow and all kinds of interesting stories on the radio. I thought, wow, there's a radio drama sounds wonderful. And then uh, when it was actually being uh, realized, I thought the sound effects, the voices, uh, the, uh, the timing, everything looked so good. I thought, wow, I'm surprised that uh, we came up with that. And so I'm very proud of the result. I think that's just wonderful. It really has been a dynamic listen. All the podcasts have just been so fun to listen to. And it does bring you right back to that time of like ancient radio tales. And it's really fun. It's very engaging to be in your car this way. I'm in LA, so that's how I tend to listen to it. And it's really <laughs> fun. It's really, really fun. I'm gonna turn this next question to Robert Midas, who is in addition to being here with Voyage Media, he was the producer at uh, Ratchet based on a wonderful book. And he's uh, he's been with uh, Voyage Media for quite a while now. and. Robert, you were instrumental in this. What iterations of this story, because it's not, I find it fascinating, not just how you got to this story, but the journey. What iterations did this story go through at Voyage to end up in the current form of this podcast, organized the way it's told? Can you speak to that, please? Yeah, hi, everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like Nat was saying, you know, um, we had the film project and, you know, making a, a, a period historical film like this is, is ambitious and quite frankly expensive because you're recreating time and place on camera. Um, and, and that can be ambitious. Um, however, uh, as we've been going into this podcast uh, market, we've discovered that we have a way of, of, of telling our stories and, and recreating the tones and the themes and the worlds um, of our stories. Uh, through podcasts in a more effective manner. Um, and it's exciting. Um, we still hope that the, pod, the success of the podcast will drive attention to, this is a story that needs to be seen on screen because you're always making that case as you're trying to build your film project. You always have to make a case as to why to tell this story now. And I think the podcast helps answer that question. Um, me personally, I'm a big history nerd. I love, like Bill, I always love to think about what would it be like to live in that place and time. And I have to give credit to Dan and Nick and Durlis, uh, our composer, Nick, our engineer, and Dan, our producer for, you know, pulling it off. Um, when we were looking at what would make a great podcast, our minds kind of went to like true crime. And Nat was like, well, this is the first cold case of all time. <laughs> it's really, you know? it really is. And yeah falls into the true crime category, but it also captures the historical category. Um, and then creating that time and place through music, through sound effects, through the crackling of the campfire and the, you know, the tribal drums and the voices of the actors. Um, it was a really exciting project to work on. Um, and, and yeah, I think we do succeed in, in, in um, telling a compelling story that only helps enhance the idea of, okay, there's also a movie here. We can see it. You can feel it when you listen to the podcast. Well, that's what I wanted to ask because Robert, you're head of originals at Voyage Media. And quickly, before I move into other questions about this podcast, how do you know a podcast can move into a film? Like from your vantage point, what do you look for? How do you know? What are the signals? This story is big. 
That's a big question to answer. <laughs> uh, it's it's everything. It's you know, can you you know, can you create a world and can you pull it off, and can it sustain? Is it compelling? Does it have you on the edge of your seat? Does it have you wanting to hear more, uh, and keep you guessing? Um, can you identify with the characters? It's all of that stuff. And um, and look, you know, I mean, you know, getting a movie made is is an ambitious task. It's a very crowded market. There's a lot of players out there. There's a lot of people producers, filmmakers trying to get their work done. And it's all about attracting attention. And the podcast just amplifies um, what makes our project special and helps bring that attention to it. That's a great answer. And that is really true. I'd like to move to Dan Benamore, which Dan Benamore is head of podcast at Voyage Media. He is also uh, the podcast host of Movies I Love That No One Talks About. On the topic of Otzi the Iceman Must Die, Dan, how did you design the villain role to become an equal star in the show as the hero Otzi? Can you talk to us about that role and that design? Yeah, so, um, you know, it was interesting. I brought up to Nat the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which I had actually done on my show as a movie that I love that no one talks about. And Nat, like, did some work on it, uh, was very familiar with the movie. And I, you know, anyone who knows that movie, it's basically telling this really famous historical figure that everybody knows, Jesse James, and then the, the story of the guy who killed him, who usually would be a footnote in history, and what is that guy's story? What's his perspective? What was his motivation? And what's so great about that movie, and what we tried to capture, I think, in Otzi, is the idea that he's just this permanently tragic figure who had ambition to be great and could never be great and would never be as good as Jesse James. And what we did in our story is we have Otzi who had this copper axe that you know basically reframed how science like no one thought that people had copper axes at that time in history so the fact that he had one was extraordinary so he was obviously a very special person in that time and we set him against somebody who wanted to be like him and would never be good enough to be like him basically and so that that tragic figure um also like Salieri and Amadeus is just always compelling to me and something that I really enjoyed you know putting on for the show I think that's just wonderful. Uh, and it is really fun to see how it all blooms and blossoms and changes. And Nat Mundell, on the topic of blooms and blossoms and changes, what do you think was one of the most pleasant surprises during this process of creating Otzi the Iceman Must Die? Because in the end, every production is like, you know, a river going down a raft that you need to navigate. So tell me about the pleasant surprises that came to you from this. They're, they are twofold. Um, one is, uh, I'm a big fan of yes. I love when things come together and people just move with their gut instincts and, um, and take action. And so it first arrived at, uh, you know, in my head or gut as a yes to pursue this, then Bill you know, was an instant yes to pursuing this. Then Dan was a yes and Robert on board. And, and then this, so that, that this sort of yes energy of, of things coming together, um, it's rare and it's beautiful and it's inspiring in and of itself. And I think projects that are born from yes or yes and versus no but um, are uh, just a, a great crucible from which to create. Um, but then, you know, the, the secondly, uh, the yes of Ethan Suplee. Um, you know, this was our, our first um, real effort at going out for a major star. 
um, to play a role in one of our audio dramas, and uh, and it came together um, relatively easily, which is uh, you know a sort of an unheard of thing. And Ethan's performance is incredible. Um, he's been a huge addition to this uh, this podcast and this podcast team. Um, and it was a delight to work with him and interview him and and get to know him. And I'm sorry that he couldn't be here. Uh, today, but we're so grateful for his participation. And so, yeah, that's the second thing is just the, I guess it's all just how it came together, all of it. That's spectacular. I am a massive fan in life of Yes And, for all of life. I think it's really what moves forward. It's like one of the basic premises of, uh, in you know, improvisation when you're doing that in comedy. Yes And, move the story forward, move your life forward. Um, Robert, this next question is for you. You know, were there story challenges that you had to conquer along the way. You've got, you know, a book that you're using, and now you're into a it's in a podcast form. What were the story telling, telling challenges um, that you had to deal with, and how did you conquer them? Because every story has its challenges to tell, so it's effective. Um, in terms of the podcast, um, there's really no challenge when you're working with Dan Benamore because he solved it. So <laughs> I, I'll just refer back to his previous uh, comment. Um, you know, finding the way in through Rube um, uh, really unlocked everything. Um, and, uh, and he talked about, you know, the assassination of Jesse James and there's other, and, and Amadeus telling it through Salieri. I was thinking of Black Swan, you know, that sort of rivalry, jealousy. Those, these are things that everyone, you know, can relate to, uh, let's be honest, right? <laughs> we all go through that in our lives. Uh, you know, and I think Dan did a really great job of exploiting that and, and using that to drive the story. Understood. And Dan, as a uh, head of podcasts and somebody who really, really knows this genre, I think you are a man who really gets it. Um, what do you want the listening audience to come away with most after having listened to this show? I think it's really fascinating because it is such a sense of listening. What do you want the audience to have come away with after listening to this? You know, I, I think this was Nick. I, I don't remember who it was exactly, but I had a conversation with somebody about the end, which we're dropping uh, as we're recording this episode four is coming out on Monday. And uh, at the end of the show, I'm really interested to know how people feel about Rube and if they find themselves in this uncomfortable position of empathizing with him and being kind of sad about how it ends, um, which I, I would imagine for most people going in, they could never think they would feel that way. And part of that is a credit to Ethan, obviously, who's incredible in the part. But I think it's also that idea of the podcast being so intimate. And when you're in somebody's head and you're hearing what they think and you're with them, it sort of forces you to identify with them. And so I just think that's just a really interesting, different story experience that I want to give the audience. I think the intimacy of listening to it is without a doubt, a really fascinating way to hear these stories and to consume them. Bill Copeland, um, this was originally from, you know, your original story, your original head. What do you think the reaction has been from people that you've shared this show with, this particular podcast with? How has it been for you and the reaction you've gotten from your audience? Uh, people I've talked to really like the idea that this is an ancient story that is, is sort of similar to uh, uh, characters in history that I really liked. For instance, um, you know, have you ever heard of St. Bruno? 
he was uh, he was a brilliant uh, mathematician and scientist uh, way back in the even before the time of uh, you know the 1800s. I forget what era he was in, but uh, he had this notion about um, the Earth not being the center of the universe. And since he was a priest, uh, you know, in the Catholic Church, this was something you just didn't say, and. Um, they tried to get him to recant and he didn't and he wound up tragically sort of analogous to what happened to Atsi being burned at the stake for his ideas and Atsi what that's what I assumed since Atsi was found dead with an arrow in his shoulder I thought that's probably what happened to him that copper was just too magical too too much of a surprise to people in that era and so they had to do him in for you know, giving into all that evil knowledge. So that's that's kind of the, the thing that I've gotten a response from, from people I know is to talk about the intriguing danger of anybody who invents something brand new in, in your world. I think that's really fascinating and it's true and I think it still holds true. And speaking of people who invent something fascinating, let's go back to Nat Mundell with this question because Nat, Voyage Media really was your creation, and you are reaching a whole bunch of storytellers, uh, some very experienced storytellers, some not so experienced storytellers. Nat, tell us at Voyage, how do you decide um, what medium is best for what story? First, I do want to herald your new podcast division creation once again with these three releases. Please, everybody in this audience, make sure you subscribe and listen. They're really divine from somebody who often gets trapped in my car in traffic, this has been fun. But Nat, could you speak to what story goes to what platform? What makes a podcast story jump out at you best? And how do people reach you with their stories? There's a few different ways of, of looking at this. One, one is fairly simple and it may sound flippant, but um, what we've organized at Voyage in bringing insider market professionals, i.e. producers, directly in touch with storytellers that may or may not be in the market at all, what we're really doing is we're creating a seamless, um, uh, seamless ability for storytellers to interact with actual market information. And it's the market information that drives the market demand, meaning the audience, the platforms, the distribution, the financing companies, and what they're looking for um, that drive our strategic recommendations, essentially, you know, which project should go where. And then there's another framework that I like to refer to, and it's actually um, somewhat derivative of, of uh, Jim Collins, who, who wrote you know, the, the infinite, infamous business books, Good to Great, Built to Last, Great by Choice. Um, it, imagine a Venn diagram, a, a marketable project or a professional project, it's gonna lie at an intersection of it being the right story. So that's something unique and compelling at the right price. So it has to be right sized for its market, right? I mean, you can't make a hundred million dollar you know, niche art house indie film. It's not the right size for that market. You have to have be right sized for the right market. You now have to identify that story at that price where it really can live and where audiences want to consume it. Um, and, and, and your second question sort of about podcasting, 
you know, obviously that's an audio only format. And so there are some creative um, either evaluations around whether a story is something that really can be told in an audio format only, or the proactive solutions, how to make it something that can be told in an audio format only. And that's what Dan's, one of Dan's greatest gifts is. Um, and, and, but, but podcasting is not just about a great way to tell stories, although that's fundamental. It's also a great way to elevate the value and notoriety and discoverability of film and television rights. It's a great way to, you know, add value to marketing efforts of books. Like in Bill Copeland's case, he's got a great book on Amazon called Relic, uh, The Copper Axe. I recommend if you're a history buff, like, please go read it. There's a lot more information and detail than we could possibly explain in, in our podcast. Um, uh, and then, you know, how, how do people get in touch with us? We have an application process. It's actually, um, it's an interesting process. We, we look for, yes, of course, we look for great stories, but the application process that we've created to work with our producers is actually about mindsets of passion, commitment, flexibility, a desire to collaborate. We found that those mindsets, for, for people that aren't in the industry, it's sometimes hard to really come to terms with how things work in our industry and the creativity and the collaboration. And it's not just one person's point of view. Um, and so that's, anyways, so we do have an application, but it starts, you know, people can go to our website, voyagemedia.com. Uh, we have a free information and market guide that really explains a lot about the market and how it works. And so it's a great, uh, it's a great tool um, and you can download it for free on our on our homepage at voyagemedia.com. That's just wonderful. And I really do know um, as Voyage is there to really give those market recommendations and to, you know, make sure you're getting current market information. I can tell you as a publicist doing the job I do how important that is to everyone. It really is the, the first part of sink and swim. Like, are you in the right boat for the right reason? And, and I just encourage everybody that's got a story to tell to reach out to Voyage Media. You don't want to be going down the wrong path, writing the wrong thing. It's really important to know, I can tell you again as a publicist, that you want to make sure your story is being told in the right way, in the right platform to reach the right audience. It's imperative. You want to be effective these days in your storytelling. Everybody who's got a story wants to reach an audience. So I encourage everybody to reach out and, you know, learn from masters. Dan, because we're talking about podcasts here and you spend a lot of time, one as head of podcasts of, at Voyage Media, but also because you have your own podcast, tell us one of the best tips that you could give people to win with podcast storytelling and also being on somebody else's podcast. Like, tell me what you see when you're looking at a podcast, three episodes, five episodes, 10 episodes, Help us wrap our brains around the medium and what you're looking for in that great podcast story. Like, how would you find what's next? I think the biggest thing for me is the instant hook. You know, I, I think that as someone who, you know, obviously consumes a lot of them and now traffics in them, um, I think that you got to really respect that your audience has a lot of options and a lot of very fancy options that have been, a lot of money has been spent on trying to get you to consume those options. And uh, I think that if you have the best instant hook, then you, that's how you win versus the 17,000 other podcasts that are on all the platforms and et cetera. 
Um, so I think that that's why we called the show Oatsy the Iceman Must Die. And that's why, you know, the beginning of the show, we tell you Oatsy the Iceman Must Die. So there's no, you know what you're getting from the jump. Um, and I think that respecting your audience that way in this medium is particularly important, maybe even more so than film or television. That's really interesting. That's a fascinating way. It is a really important hook. Robert, um, as head of originals and, and your your genre is film, what are you looking for? Like what makes you go yes right away as Nat is speaking about the yes and. Tell us when you're looking at a story, whatever it is, the first five pages, the first 10 pages, the first person, the first hearing, what is it from your past experience that you can say, oh, it was this? And what is it looking into the future that you like to find? Um, well, I like to say that it's always uh, authenticity. Uh, that something uh, feels real and authentic um, is, you know, believable and something you can connect with that any sort of person can, you know, connect with the authenticity of the character and the story. And also the authenticity of the storyteller. I find that in working with our clients, a lot of the best projects are stories that are kind of authentic to their true experience. You know, there's an old adage, write what you know. So um, if someone comes in and says, I have a story about this and oh, by the way, I have personal experience in that world, whether it's professional or, or just personal or something, that, those are always compelling, um, you know, because that's what more and more like the market is, you know, leaning into, you know, sort of true stories, authentic stories, um, diverse stories, stories from um, cultures, worlds, people we haven't heard from before um that's what that's what really connects with me I, i'd say diverse stories for sure and i, I do want to say you are head of television and film at voyage media i left out the tv part are stories that are currently popular or being shopped around are they different in the genre of what makes them successful now between podcast film and television or would you all say authentic um vast you know varied or are there different in each medium uh, I mean, the, the, the projects can vary, but, but I think the one sort of universal theme is just, um, again, that, that, that feeling of authenticity of realness and, and, and finding a connection, whether it's, you know, a horror movie or a comedy or whatever, it's just, it's got to feel real and, and it's got to have some sort of, um, you know, magic alchemy that just sucks you in as the reader, as the viewer. Interesting magic alchemy for sure. And on that note, this question goes to Bill Copeland. So Bill, you were telling a story and are telling a story that has been known and told before. So what elements in this storytelling did you use to make sure that, you know, Otzi was a story that could be found or was found? What storytelling elements did you use to make this relevant and gripping to now? Because as a storyteller, I know you had to have some really good strategies and tactics up your sleeve. So how did you raggle this beast of making this relevant and compelling the way it has come out on this podcast that is truly gripping and entertainment and entertaining? Well, <clears throat> I, uh, I was so happy that, uh, that uh, a lot of the information that was found there were there were tools there was his clothing there was uh, his shoes um all kinds of interesting interesting things that was found with the mummy including the copper axe and um i thought this guy has a family 
he lives, he has a job. How is he, what's he doing in his village? He must be a very popular guy, you know, with su such uh, uh, interesting craft that he has. And so I thought, you know, I wanna, I wanna make him real. I wanna take myself and anybody else who's interested in reading back into that time. What did he have to deal with? Um, you know, there are bears and, and there are people who, uh, who live in other villages that may not like him and his group. There, was a sh there had to be a shaman. This had to be something that, uh, that the, uh, the religious people thought was, uh, had to be wrong because look at, look at what he created. So I wanted to make him real and I wanted to have him have a happy family life and what was that like and beautiful children and, uh, you know, how did he learn? One of, the, one of the key things in the story that, uh, that I wanted to make sure was understood was he, uh, there, there was copper being made in, in the world at that time, but how did he learn it? He's living way up in the mountains in Europe, whereas copper was known to people in what was called the Vincan civilization, which is now north of, um, north of the Danube, somewhere in the east. And I thought, Oh, I'm, how did he get all that information and how did he live? So I wanted to bring that, that human side of him and what he had to struggle with. And so, uh, and so I love to just uh, put, put him in that real world. And uh, of course it was a tragic end. Uh, I was very surprised that, uh, that uh, Dan wanted to create a story about a guy who was essentially the antagonist, the bad guy in the story. And he developed that so well, you know, like Salieri and uh, so on. It just came out fascinating and it was much, much richer and uh, with voices and sound effects and everything, it just sounded so real. Uh, Dan did a, a great job and uh, I, he made, he made uh, Otzi a real person on the, on the trail, fighting, uh, getting wounded, waking up with a beautiful woman in front of him, taking care of him. All of these things uh, uh, came together and I, I, love, I love the result. I really love the result too. And I really want to say big hats off to Voyage for their podcast division and everybody's work. It has been really, really fun. I never thought I'd say this in my life, but I've actually enjoyed some time in traffic. Thanks to <laughs> Voyage Media. So it really feels fun and exciting and compelling. So hats off to everybody who has participated. It was a big group project. Because everybody's a storyteller here, and I assume many people are listening in today to be connected to Voyage Media and the possibility of having their stories told, told effectively and with an audience, I wanna ask in a final question, the same question of everybody here. How do you go about finding and, and really starting your projects and bringing it to fruition. I love Nat's um, thing, yes, and I think I've lived with that forever. I will tell you as a writer, my first start of everything is a tiny cheap notebook. And I just start like pen and paper, really getting it down and really putting everything into my brain in a dump. I'm pen to paper for my first brushstroke of this is gonna come into creation. I wanna hear from everybody here on this panel today, What's your first brushstroke? And maybe if you've got more to contribute, you know, what are some of the big medium in the middle brushstrokes? But what's that first one when you're like, I'm going to do this. This is next. Talk to me and tell me what your process is. Let's start with Nat. 
Uh, I'm going to pass that one over to someone else. Actually, I'm going to sit with that and think for a second. So okay. let's go to let's go to Robert. Rob. Well, it used to be when I was stuck in traffic, <laughs> but I don't drive anymore. So <laughs> or I drive less, I should say. Um, daydreaming. That's all I can say. Really daydreaming. Are you getting it down or you're just thinking like you're the creator in your head, you're laying it out, everything like that. And then, you know, you put it aside and then a couple of days later, another thought will pop in and then eventually you find a structure. Structure so you're is sort the of like the mental marinator just well, to and, start, right? Yeah. And structure is the, you know, is the most important part. When you can see the beginning, middle, end, acts one, two, and, you know, three, for, for lack of a better word, that's when it all fall kind of falls into place. Okay, I can see that working. Yeah. Interesting. But you're, you're like, I, I know people that are mental marinators that just start and they just keep going back and back in their brain. I once met a lady who said she didn't start writing until she had the entire book in her head and she was doing it for days and months and then she got it and started writing. That's really interesting. I like hearing that. I like hearing people's processes. All right, Dan Benamore, because I know you're a wonderful and fast writer or my experience with you has been exceptionally direct writing. Um, what's your process, Mr. Podcast or Mr. Writer? Like how do you, what's just not even necessarily Voyage, but what do you start with? What's your first stroke? For me, it's usually, I'm always like curious about the thing that's not being talked about. So if I, I'll read a whole nonfiction book and there'll be like one sentence about some random offshoot thing. I'm like, who's that guy? Like, I, I never heard about that person. And, and then I'll look into that. Uh, a lot of things that I've written have come out of something like that is looking at the thing in the corner that's not being discussed and wanting to explore that more. Nat, are you ready for us? Yeah, I had to sit with that. I was actually so engrossed in, in Bill's answer that uh, that I was thinking about Bill's answer and I didn't hear your question. So forgive I, me I for deferring it. Oh. Last, since <laughs> he actually wrote this. No, story. I know, but what I was referring to is Bill's yeah. great answer to your earlier question was just, you know, I loved the, hearing that history of, of Bill's passions and stuff. So, um, but yes, my creative process is one of responding. So I respond to stimulus. Um, that could be somebody saying something, it could be looking at a flower, it could be, you know, driving by a billboard, it could be hearing something on the radio. And then my gut set has an instant response to certain stimuluses. And then and only then really does my, my, my will get enacted. And, and in my case, it's a very strong will. I've been building Voyage for six or seven years with that initial gut reaction of, oh, yes, we need to do this. And, and then I you know, put my head down for the next seven years and started creating that. Um, you know, put my head down for bringing... the next seven years to the whole audience. That really is, you know, that good to great. I put my head down for the next seven years to create this. Hats off to you, Nat Mundell. Yeah, and, and don't, you know, don't let me misspeak. Um, one of the early things that I did in, in creating this was hire the right people and bring together the right people, right? So that's about building anything is surrounding yourself with, with great people that can solve problems in different ways than you can. And frankly, that's the journey of film and television. And that's why it's a it's a and podcasting for that matter. It's a it's a collaborative pursuit. Um, I'm a great starter and then driller down of things, but you know it takes Dan and Robert to really get into the weeds and figure out. Um, uh, you know, like Robert said, Act One, Two, Three structure, 
And I'm grateful for their unique abilities in that area. And then frankly, in regards to, you know, the initial stimulus on this, it's Bill. Bill is the, you know, Bill's heart, soul, whatever essence, uh, you know, that lives within Bill is the original stimulus for me. So it is. And Bill, I'm going to go to you last on this question about creativity and starting it. And then my last question is really specifically about podcasts before we wrap up. But Bill Copeland, this was your baby, your first thought. You had to be the one jotting stuff down and getting it ready. So talk to us a little bit about your creative process from the very first stroke to how we got here today, but really what's your process for getting the story out of you? I really love uh, science and um, anthropology and so on. I'll always pick, uh, pick stories out um, I get a science magazine. There's so many different um, science applications, science situations, whatever, that uh, catch my eye. What got me going was when I read the first articles about Otzi the Iceman. He was found. He was, he was a mummy. He was ugly. He was in some strange position. There was a copper axe nearby, and um, he, had a, he had been shot. I was thinking... How could that happen? And then um, I was looking at the pictures. There was a lot of pictures of uh, where he was found. It, uh, he was found in what looked to me like a, uh, a circle of stones. I, nobody else has picked this up. Maybe I'm screwed up, but it, it looked like a circle of stones, a place where uh, relatively primitive people might meet, they might pray. So I called them the God stones. But anyway, what I wanted to say, think about was how did he get there and uh, the egg of the story was I think I think he was executed by people who didn't want him to have that axe and he was uh, so I that was the that was the egg of the story and I uh, I nursed it along and uh, then as you said somebody said I, I created a notebook I have a notebook here so I created a notebook and I just started writing stuff down about what I thought was <laughs> what I thought was uh, really exciting, interesting about it. And uh, and he was such a, he had to be a good guy. He had to be a hero to me. They found him with walking shoes and snowshoes and tattoos. And um, he was he was middle aged. He had heart trouble and things like that. All kinds of facts about him. And I thought, well, what would bring him? to that position. And I just, uh, I just uh, added material. I did a lot of research. What, were, what did people uh, have in those days? Uh, and uh, he must have been a traveler. He probably was a, like a traveling salesman for those days, selling and keeping his tribe alive by helping to sell stuff. Anyway, so all of that uh, sort of cascaded down and I took notes. And as you said, I got all these pieces and pretty soon I realized, well, I can put them into certain orders and um, follow a theme. So, so that's how it developed. It really developed from that egg. And then I just sort of nursed it along with pieces that came, came along and fledged it out, you might say. That's just wonderful. I'm also a big fan of the cheap notebook. Like a lot, I like really like a dollar forty nine notebook. I'm good to go. All right, I'm taking questions from the audience. If anybody has any questions for our illustrious panel here, um, if you do have a story, first of all, I want to encourage you to go to voyagemedia.com. 
and really reach out. They are always looking for great stories and great storytellers. And you've got a tribe here to help support and guide you. So please do reach out to us today. Um, this question comes from Jen in the audience, and it's a really great question. I'll, I'll guide this one towards Dan Benamore because I think this one is really for you. And she says, I'm curious about the podcast process. Did lots of material end up edited out? Or was the outline and script so tight that it needed little editing? Yeah, I mean, so this is, it's more of a production process issue than it is um, of extraneous material. So because uh, these are so heavily scripted, it's very different from like doing an interview show or something, right? Where, you know, there will be stuff edited out. Uh, we are much harder on the scripts because once the script is done, it's pretty much locked. Like anytime, we don't want to be, you know, we're not like figuring it out later. Like the script has to be the thing. And then we're just super faithful to the script. So yeah, I would say that literally nothing was edited out, I think, uh, in terms of just uh, that kind of stuff. That's really interesting. Dan, can you talk to us about what it was like to write and create this podcast script? How long was each episode? You know, how did you go about breaking this into script form? Well, so we, you know, it, it was kind of an interesting process. So there was a underlying voyage screenplay. Then there was Bill's book. Then, uh, then there was, hey, we got to make it into episodes. So I kind of just looked at it from um, a structural perspective, like we need a, a strong in and a strong out on each episode. And so the story kind of lent itself to that because ultimately it's this struggle between these two guys and one guy is, is winning at one point and one guy is losing at one point. And every time you have one of those pivots, that's a good structural device. And so we sort of knew, all right, we want to break it up into approximately 20-ish minute episodes. And uh, I just kind of structured it around the, um, who has the upper hand basically in their, in their struggle. It's just fantastic. And it really was so compelling. Um, and is there anything else? Anybody want to contribute, uh, Nat or Robert or Bill, into this script, the podcast form of it? What you thought was a total win, Nat? This was your, let me ask this of Nat Mundell, because here it is. You are the CEO of Voyage. You're launching a new podcast division. I know you're a great storyteller. What did you learn about podcast production and storytelling in this genre in this time of what you've just done in the last few months? I think what I've learned is how wonderful a format it is um, and that it's attainable for many. And in that attainability for many, there's just an incredible way to tell stories and then actually share them with listeners. It's, it, you know, you, I mean, it's a little, again, sort of cavalier to say it this way, but with a press of a button, once you have your show, right, with a press of a button, you can reach over 600 million listeners worldwide. There are some earlier guest questions that I think are really terrific, and I'd love to hear some of those. I see them in the chat. I'm going to ask you this next one because it's really for you and maybe for Dan or, or Robert too, but what, um, first somebody, Kizmo is asking, what type of stories are you looking for, for your podcast? What type of stories? And what would, you know, let's start there. What type of stories is Voyage Media looking for, for podcasts? And how do people reach you saying, this is a great podcast idea? Well, I'm going to do a short answer, but then the, the better answer will come from Robert and Dan. But I'm always looking at it, just as I had said earlier, right, right, um, right story, right price, right market. Um, 
and and that's the, the the way things come together and it's a it's a market construct so I've looked where's the audience what are they consuming what do they like consuming and then does this fit in those mold in those molds um, but I'm sure Robert and, and Dan have a much more interesting answer than that I really do hope the whole world heard that from the businessman uh, Nat Mundell at Voyage Media the right story right audience at the right price but uh, Robert and Dan, uh, as people are asking, what is the process? What kind of stories are you looking for for Voyage Media for the podcast? And then somebody else just asked, what would be the process of going, this would be for Robert from podcast, getting it turned into an actual film? Dan first. Yeah, I think anything that we, I mean, we've found a lot of creative ways to sort of engineer these so they fit as a podcast. But I think that any story that has a really strong POV is helpful in the podcast space um, because we are able to approximate that POV for the audience. So that can, and that can, you know, that can be documentary style. It can be scripted. It can be all sorts of stuff, but anything where you have a character real or fictional that has a super strong perspective, that's something that's very useful in the podcast space. That, I mean, yeah, that really is it. Uh, the point of view is imperative in storytelling in general, but I'd say in podcasts, because you're listening, it's such an intimate form of hearing somebody's story. Robert, tell us what you think um, are some success points from going from podcast to film as from in your position, storytelling, what you're looking for. Uh, <clears throat> so the market, you know, the, the I call them the powers that be, the distributors, the people with the money, the people that make shows and television, everything. They always, they're always looking for proof of concept. You know, does this work? You know, if you pitch them a story, they're like, that's a great story, but, but is it, is it really going to work? And I think the podcast gives that evidence because, uh, you, we've act, we've executed drama in a medium and, and you can share that podcast with the buyers and say that there is proof. And then, you know, every time somebody, every time more and more people listen to it, that it just gives us more and more <laughs> proof that it works. Of course. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, you know, the, the one thing that we that we sort of the challenge for us always is just, um, you know, it's a crowded marketplace. There's a lot of people pitching ideas. What makes you stand out? And this what will make makes us you stand, stand out. out, of course. And that's a good story, a way to tell a story. Um, also, there is no story without an audience. So I want to say thank you to everybody that's been here with us and is listening please subscribe to Voyage Media Podcast. We really love our audience, subscribe. Um, people have asked me how to help promote it, share this time, share your love of the storytelling, share your love of Otzi, of let me tell you about my murder, of all the things coming up, war heroes, just share. That is probably the greatest thank you you could give back to us, all storytellers and Voyage Media. Thank you to everybody in this audience for joining us today. We are so happy to have you with us at Voyage Media for your support, for your listening. We could not be happier. If you've got a story to tell, please go to voyagemedia.com and reach out to us. To our panel, Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, Bill Copeland, and Dan Benamore, thank you so much for joining, sharing the how-tos, how it works, and all your passion for storytelling. And thank you again for everybody joining us here today at Voyage Media. Subscribe, reach out, tell a friend, and share your story. Thanks. <laughs>